please join me now in the litany of invitation and confession. We have been called away from that which is mundane. We have been called together to worship God. We bring our anxieties and fears and frustrations that distract us. We ask God to grace us by giving us the focus of hope. With longing hearts, we desire to experience God. With joyful songs and earnest prayers, we seek God. On this World Communion Sunday, we remember that we are part of the global body of Christ with brothers and sisters of different races, ethnicities, cultures, and languages. We confess that often we have lived smaller lives than God intended. May God forgive our myopic perspectives that are narrower than the grand inclusive love of God. We pause for a moment of silent confession. Sisters and brothers, God is generous in love and full of grace. Let us live lives as large as the grace of God. We are forgiven. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. You may be seated. Welcome to the worship of God as we gather as God's people in this place today and as we are welcomed to worship by our children on this World Communion Sunday where we name that all people are children of God. You helped bring in loaves of bread, didn't you? You helped bring in cups. And in that bread from around the world, we celebrate that God's love goes around the world as well. So welcome to all of you who traveled all the way from Franklin, Tennessee, or wherever else to get here. Our children will call us to worship. Let's listen with attentive hearts.
the psalmist invites us to take our grief and our anger and turn it into prayer. A reading from a psalm. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, Sing us one of your songs of Zion. But how could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem's fall, how they said, tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, you devastator, happy shall they be who pay you back what you have done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. Here ends the first lesson. That's not the easiest psalm to pray right after. <laughs> and yet we are called to pray. I want us to call, I want to call us to prayer today as I did last week and overtly name the need to pray for our country and all of the anxiety and all of the anger that is afoot. What happens inside the beltway affects us in Buckhead. And like the New Testament text asks us to do, it says, pray for those in authority, for kings and those in high places, 1 Timothy chapter two. And so today we will offer silent prayers. My prayer for me will be May I be delivered from the cowardice of cynicism and from the laziness of passive optimism. So let us now bow for a few moments of silent prayer and then Karen Massey will pray for us all. Creator God, as we worship this morning, we offer our gratitude for the cooler temperatures that offer a pleasant reprieve from the scorching heat that has enveloped us for weeks. The cooler temperatures also pique our anticipation of the fall days that will soon be the norm, and we are once again reminded of your creativity. We are awed at how the green trees of summer become dressed with the red and gold leaves of fall or how the barren ground of winter becomes decorated with the bright flowers of spring. For all the colorful hues and textures of your creation, we celebrate and say thanks. But on this day, we gather especially to celebrate the variety and color of your human creation. On this World Communion Sunday, as Christians are scattered throughout every country, climate, and culture, we pause to celebrate the diversity of your church in the world. In Africa, where the church grows rapidly, where faith is exuberant and a bright mosaic of culture shows the world the vibrancy of your love. In Asia, where the cultures are so deeply rooted in tradition, where the church is small, but where religion is great. In the Middle East, the cradle of the church, the birthplace of our Lord, and the land that we call holy. In Europe, where art, music, and architecture have inspired the church with beauty and majesty of the gospel message for centuries. In Latin America, where the church stands in solidarity with the weak and the poor, seeking justice for all who are outcast. And even here in North America, where the church enjoys religious freedom and reflects diversity in worship theology, and practice. For all the diversity reflected in the church in the world, we say thanks. But World Communion Sunday also reminds us that we all are one, united by Christ's love for us. Today, the barriers of race, gender, age, and culture disappear as Christians around the world gather at Christ's table.
We are neither Republican nor Democrat, male nor female, young nor old, neither black, brown, yellow, red, nor white. We are one body sharing one common loaf, and we give thanks that there is room enough for all of us at Christ's table. So God, on this World Communion Sunday, give us eyes to recognize your reflection in the eyes of Christians everywhere. Give us an open mind to accept and celebrate our differences, and give us a heart big enough to love all your children everywhere. In the name of the God who loves us all, we offer this prayer. Amen. The Apostle Paul reminds his young disciple of the faith he learned from his family and the gift of grace which he has been given. A reading from the second letter to Timothy. Second <clears throat> Timothy 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. <clears throat> For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. Here ends the second lesson. I'd like to invite all the children to come forward at this time for our time together, and we'll gather here on our steps this morning. All right. Leah, let me in right here. If you have your offering, Pastor Daniel has the plate, and you can put it right in. All right, Leah, move right here for me, please. Can you sit right here for a second? Yeah, we're going to see the bread in just a minute. Everybody have a seat, Sloan? Right there, sweetie. All right. Well, you guys have already helped me a little bit this morning with what we're going to talk about for our children's lesson this morning. If you look up here, you see a lot of things up here, don't you? What did y'all help bring in? Bread. And you brought in some of these cups over here, right? What are those cups for? What is that bread for? Drink. What kind of a drink? Jolene. It's for the wine and the bread of, what do we call this when we have this? We call it what? Communion. That's right, Joseph. And <clears throat> do you remember what communion is? That's when, that Sloan, what is communion? Uh-huh, it's a whole bunch of people. That's right, Sloan, that's a very good answer for today. It's a whole bunch of people in a church 
remembering the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the gift that he gave to us, and we remember that together with all of God's people. And today, what did I put in the middle up here? A globe, because today is World Communion Sunday, when we remember that Christians all over the world are all celebrating the same gift that Jesus gave us with his death and his resurrection. We remember when Jesus said, this is my body broken for you, and this is my blood shed for you. We remember that gift and that sacrifice, and we say thank you to him, and we celebrate God's great love and Jesus's great love for all of us. Let's give thanks now. Everybody, let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the gift that you give us, and thank you for the gift that you give to all of your people around the world. We are thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's follow Miss Mary Lou to choir. This way. After, after. Come on. Through challenge and trust, our faith in God grows. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come here at once and take your place at the table. Would you not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me. Put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink. Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, We are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, how would you like to preach on these texts today? Let's see. I know where I'll start. With a confession. It's been seven days since my last confession. <laughs> the confession is that um, this past week I binge-watched all 16 hours of the country music documentary on public television. If Liz wants to join me in that confession, she can as well. We watched it all, and um, uh, I was enchanted by it. To learn some of the family tree, the lineage of these great country music singers, from the Carters, to Cash, to Conway, to Kurt Thomas, 
You can tell Kurt that I, I consider him part of the Mount Rushmore of country music. And that Ken Burns, America's storyteller, uh, said this before the series even started in an interview that I heard. Someone asked him, um, country music has a lot of cliches attached to it. You know, railroads and boxcars, prisons and rainy nights. There are a lot of, a lot of cliches, but without the cliches, Ken Burns, what is country music really about? And he said two things. Uh, two four-letter words, love and loss. That's it. Love and loss. And could he be more right? He went on to say that when it comes to love and loss, those are the two most difficult topics for us to actually talk about. Haven't you heard someone say, I want, I'm, I'm starting about my pain or my law, and I'm, I'm sorry, I just can't talk about it, right? And so we echo music that can carry our pain and our love and loss, like I've never seen a night so long when time comes crawling by, the moon just went behind a cloud to hide its face and cry. We all know what that night feels like. So did the Apostle Paul, and so did the writer, the poet, the psalmist who went into exile. They found ways to put words and songs to their loss and to their love, and so we're going to ask them for help today. As I've hold, held all of this this week, here's how it came to me that love and loss are necessary labor pains that God uses to birth hope. Love and loss appear to be necessary labor pains that God uses to birth hope. Both the psalmist and the apostle had lost a lot. The apostle Paul was in prison when he wrote this, maybe house arrest or maybe behind bars but he was walled off from people he loved and people he cared about, so he had to write the letters like this letter to 2 Timothy, his young disciple in the ministry. Or like, or like the psalmist, the poet, who had been deported to faraway Babylon. They had both lost and loved and longed for a lot. You heard Karen read that 137th Psalm that starts so uh, filled with comfort as in we recognize what it's like. You know, when we were in Babylon, we hung our harps on the willow trees near the river because we wept. We could not sing a song of Zion in such a strange land. And our captors taunted us, sing a song of Zion. And it hung in our throats like fish hooks. Indeed, Sometimes you need a poet's lyrics to say what can't be said, like the silence of a falling star lights up a purple sky, and as I wonder where you are, I'm so lonesome I could cry. Thank you, Hank Williams. Of course, the psalmist doesn't stop there at that very pastoral beginning of we get it, of how immobilized we are in our grief, he goes on to talk about that terrible curse that is part of the imprecatory psalms. It's the psalms that curse, and it ends by saying, those Edomites, may they beat their children's heads against the rocks. The word of the Lord, <laughs> thanks be to God. We wonder what in the world is one of the worst scriptures in the Bible. But notice that it's part of a prayer that, I mean, it, it doesn't seem to fit about, um, you know, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. The Edomites had stood by and watched Israel go into captivity by the Babylonians, and the Edomites stood there and watched it happen. I mean, it's like, you know, God loves the little children, most of the children of the world, Red and yellow, black and white, 
but God doesn't love the Edomites. Not all of the children of the world. What the psalmist is doing is praying his rage. You see, he doesn't take up violence and sword, nor does he say for Israel to. He gives that rage to God, may this happen. In other words, God, I can't handle the violence that is within me. Will you hold it till I can? We prayed his loss, his grief, his violence. When I walked the Camino years ago, the Camino de Santiago across northern Spain, I discovered after the third or fourth day that we were all there because of some loss. It was in the conversation of what we were walking away from. I had just gone through a very painful uh, thing with my family. And everybody on the Camino had some story like that. I walked for a few days with a woman named Anna. Anna was an immigrant from South America. She worked for Disney World and ran one of the restaurants. But on about the first afternoon, she said, so pastor, how do you move beyond the ups and downs of life? I mean, it was a tame softball question. I said, well, for me, I, I rely on my faith best I can. I call on my friends, those I have, and my family is very important to me. That was on the first day. The second day, I saw her again, and the question got more difficult. She said, well, all of my life has been different since my son died. How long ago, I asked. 14 years, she said. Uh, he was five years old. He was with my best friend. I thought she was watching him, and he drowned. And I'm walking the Camino to somehow find some peace. She went on to say that I believe now, she was Roman Catholic. She said, I believe now that my son, I said, what's his name? And she said, Alfred Fernando. She said, I believe Alfred Fernando is sitting in the blessed mother's lap near God. I thought of her this week as I was looking over these texts and remembering this word from Terry Tempest Williams, who is a naturalist and essayist. He said, grief dares us to love once more. Grief dares us to love once more. I had sent that to Barry Love, whom some of you know, uh, months before he died. He must have liked it because Debbie saved it. And she asked, can we get that bibliographic reference so we can print it in the order of service for Barry's memorial service? And we did. Grief dares us to love once more. <clears throat> Whether you're in the prison with Paul or in Babylon with the poet and the psalmist, they called grief's dare and decided to love God through all of that. My prayer for us is that we do the same. And maybe it is that that's why I come to worship and that's why you come to worship. That it is something about the words read or preached or prayed or lyrics sung in hymns or from this table. That we take this, these labor pains of loss and love and pray that God somehow work a miracle of midwifing, and birth in us hope again. I think that's what I would ask of this table as it reminds us of the story of that loss and love and how it all got started. The writer of the New Testament says, on the night when Jesus was betrayed. Boy, is that not a loss word. We have all known that loss word. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, loss, he took bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take this, this is my body given for you, love 
and loss. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is given. And we sing a hymn today that the Wednesday study group requested. It echoes the text that was read in the epistle lesson that Murdy Cope read. As the Apostle Paul is going through his own grief and loss and love, he affirms the core DNA of his faith. He says, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him until the last day. That's the text that we will be singing today. We will sing the first, second, and fourth stanzas. Let's stand together and sing. This time of the service, I'd like to bring a few announcements and concerns to you. Uh, first, we still have the hard copy version of the Pinnacle, several copies available in the, uh, the narthex as you come out. Be sure to grab one. You'll get information about upcoming events like the interfaith mental health conversation that James will be serving on as a panelist on October 17th. And then uh, this week, Triple E on Tuesday, Tuesday at 11. If you haven't made your RSVP, uh, see Barbara, and her word to me in Arthas was, today. See her today, and she's here. So be sure to RSVP. Jordan Clark will be presenting on cave paintings, uh, bringing word from his vacation in uh, France in the Lascaux Cave uh, just a few weeks ago. 
we will continue to uh, accept books for the, the, the Georgia prison system. I received word from Nancy Hall today that we've still got time to get those in. So if you have books that you'd like to donate, bring them to the church. You can coordinate with me. I'm happy to meet you uh, at your car and help them get unloaded into the church. Uh, that's a great thing to be doing. So be looking around your house for that. Uh, a couple of small groups will start this week uh, that I'll be leading. We'll be reading uh, Rachel Held Evans' Searching for Sunday in a group that starts on Wednesday. And then a group that begins on Thursday will be focusing on spiritual formation. We'll be working through a Renovare uh, workbook called Spiritual Formation. So just wanted you all to know about that and ask for your prayers uh, for those groups going forward. And then uh, the prayers of the congregation requested for the Manley family. I heard from um, the Manleys this morning continuing to struggle with some health problems and, and uh, ask for your prayers. They're hoping to get back to us uh, very soon. Uh, and as we pray for them and, and, and pray for those that you all uh, keep in your heart that you hold dearly, may the Lord hear your prayers this morning. Uh, the choir is going to help us prepare for communion by draw us in the Spirit's tether. I love these words, all our meals and all our living make as sacraments of love, of thee, that by caring, helping, giving, we may true disciples be. May the choir help us continue our worship.
acolytes. As you notice, our acolytes will be helping serve communion today and helping celebrate, but also our deacons will be serving you. The order of service contains an insert that is our service of Holy Communion, and all are invited to participate. It could be because of where your life is, the cup may taste more like loss, but the bread tastes like love. Or it could be because of where your life is, there's more love in your life with very little loss. But whatever the alchemy of those two things are, this table is about it, to give birth to hope. So the choir will be coming first, and then following the choir, you'll come forward. So at this time, let us read responsibly the service of Holy Communion. The peace of Christ be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with all the company of heaven, who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing. seated. On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread. You would lift up the bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup. If you would lift up the cup. In the same manner, he took the cup, and having given thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now let us pray. We celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, on this World Communion Sunday, through this meal that speaks of both sacrifice and thanksgiving. Recalling Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection, we celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church around the world that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And so hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The gifts of God, for the people of God. All of God's people are welcome at this table, and so take these gifts of cup and bread in remembrance that Christ died and was raised. Therefore, let us come to this table 
in thanksgiving and hope. Amen.
Let us stand together for prayer. All-loving God, through the eyes and hands of children who have held bread and cups, and for we who are older who have had breads and cups, you have refreshed us all, every one of us, at your table as we have celebrated the presence of Christ. So we pray that you would deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us into your whole world in strength and in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. We have been fed today by a loaf, by our light, and by the children that led us in and out. As we prepare to go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage. This day and every day, as we prepare to go in peace, amen. Thank you.